Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Options Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is off working on projects, but she'll be back. There's there's some very cool stuff coming up. Today we're going to have a really great conversation about hemp, now that it's going to be federally approved. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Paul Galon, a guest we've had on before. A man about the cosmos. (laughs) That's a whole other conversation. Um, I know this is going to be one of the shows because we're going to talk a lot about hemp, not just about CBD, which is a lot of conversation about right now, but really about hemp from the perspective of how we can benefit the planet, both nutritionally and just a myriad of other positive aspects of hemp being a farmable product again. That'll be really stupendous. But first, I have an announcement about, uh, let me pull this up so that I have this right in front of me. It's really, uh, I just don't know what to say. Uh, this is about Trump's EPA blocking blocks warnings on cancer-causing chemical. So it turns out that in the uh, Scott Pruitt EPA, which is still Trump land, it's not that it's going to get better with the potentially uh, temporary guy, uh, that they had been blocking or as they said it here in the headline, bearing the formaldehyde study as part of the effort by Pruitt and AIDS to undermine EPA's research program, current and former officials told Political. So really, as the article goes on, it's really talking about not just about formaldehyde, about but how there is a research group, and I forget what the acronym for them is, of about, let's say, 30 scientists, actual scientists, people who do research. And how they're trying to undermine that agency, that division of the EPA, because they have not wanted this information out there from my, in my opinion, the editorial part is in my opinion, because it affects industry. And since this administration is all pro go industry, go industry, pollute, pour toxin, do whatever you want, spray more spraying, more toxins, more pesticides that they don't want this group that's actually been doing research showing, for instance, you know, that formaldehyde can be cancer-causing. So they're blocking warnings, they're blocking research, and it's just not good. It's just bad, uh, let alone the fact that it is another toxin in the environment and they're trying to hide that information. So I will put that, uh, the link to that in the uh, chat over at Blog Talk Radio. And since I know this is one of those shows because there is going to be just a lot of great information about hemp. Uh, This is one of those shows you're going to want to listen to again or tell your friends. After the show, about 10 minutes after the show, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on Blog Talk Radio tab, and there will be a replay link for this show. You can also, in about an hour or so, go to any of your podcast aggregators, any of your software, whether it be iTunes or Pocket Cast or Dogcatcher or Podcatcher, or boy, there's a lot of them now. Yeah, Google Play now has one. Google Podcast is really quite a good aggregator. And you can search for Sherry Edwards, and any of the over 700 shows will eventually appear, but this show will be there in about a half an hour. Uh, Stitcher is a good app because it's cross platform Windows, iOS, Mac, Android, everywhere. And you can find it there. And with that app, it's really easy to share it to others because there's going to be a lot of really positive environmental information 
and just, you know, really great stuff about hemp. Uh, and with that, I don't think if anybody has any questions in chat, I'll get to those. Not yet. Um, I will do this. Hold on just a second. I lost my uh, tab. Okay. This will be a slightly different intro for Paul Galon, but I think this is such a great statement. The purpose of the Santa Cruz Industrial Hemp Expo is to bring together education, commerce, and ecology in the promotion of the vast potential of hemp. The expo can bridge environmental manufacturers with industry and agriculture. Manufacturers could make serious inroads into growing and processing fiber, seed, and pulp for a multitude of uses. Among these inroads are paper, clothing, carpeting, building materials, hardware items, cosmetics, foods, nutrition, medicine, industrial lubricants, paints, biomass diesel, and the paradoxical biodegradable plastics. Green business retailers, hemp, ecological, health food, natural clothing, and right livelihood companies, form a vital link between primary source manufacturers and the public. This would occur through education, advertising, and sales featuring environmentally friendly, durable quality products. The public could gain a storehouse of this knowledge as well as potential future business concepts. We hope people are realizing this is an expo for everyone. Each person's participation helps create a synergy to make this event more profound. We can and must help reverse the current destruction of our Earth's precious resources, favoring sustainable measures and uses for people, animals, and the plants on the precarious planet, on this precarious planet. In this way, we can serve as an educational resource for all sectors of society. With that, I welcome Paul Galon. Hello. Richard, how you Hello. doing? Pretty good. Yes. So, good to hear so from my you. opening you. my opening question for you is uh, a bunch of words I can't use on air, but I'm ever so curious how how did you this was written in 1998. Mm-hmm. How did you how were you so far ahead of I mean everybody now is like, "Oh my god, hemp, 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 hemp. Wow, hemp." In 98 you wrote this and put on this expo. <laughs> How did right. you this know? Was a, what was your – did you what? How did you do this? Well, actually, uh, uh, there was um, a person named Bob LaMonica who had contacted me, and uh, it ended up I directed the expo. We we produced it at the Civic Center um, in Santa Cruz, and it drew 6,500 people that weekend. So that was, a, I believe, one of the record crowds for the Civic and what it was to do was, well, what you said in the mission statement, but it, we brought together about um, oh, close to quite a bit of vendors. I think it was 75 vendors or more. Uh, we had food. We had a fashion show. We had um, kind of uh, a lot of it. It was chronologued in the um, video that um, I worked with with L.B. L.B. Johnson, who, um, you know, she directed and put that together, uh, called Hemp Hemp Array, the Growing Industrial Market. And we also did a few other um, shows that we put together to create that video. It was a one-hour documentary on the industry. And um, we kind of wanted to show it as an industry and, you know, that, myriad of possibilities that it had so we kind of put on this event and um 
we filled up the whole Civic. There was rooms that had videos. There was um, discussion panels. We had it all weekend. We had sometimes three or four people per every hour uh, going along the whole weekend and produced a program. And, um, yeah, it was just a kind of a way to really bring uh, that into the forefront in, in U.S. culture because uh, there hadn't been anything like that that I had seen previously to that degree in, in the certainly in the United States. And at that time, were there other countries who were already producing hemp? I mean, were there still country, countries that were growing hemp all along and using it more, not so much now today when we talk about hemp, everybody thinks about CBD. But for right. a long time, hemp has been used as a product for a lot of other possibilities. Right. This was the pre-emergence of uh, Canada, and what had happened at that time was that China, of course, had been producing this traditionally for, well, centuries, literally, and they had mixed the fiber with uh, linen, which is flax, and also with cotton in the mills. So they they were literally spinning and creating um, hemp uh, clothing products for for quite a while at that point. Uh, also, it was big in um, East Europe, especially Hungary, and um, a bit of Poland, uh, a, a part of the Soviet Union, Russia. Um, especially, there was a seed bank also in Leningrad um, that uh, was administered by Rob Clark and some of the people who had a... Um, uh, part of the cannabis company out of the uh, Netherlands, out of Holland. And that was a pretty interesting thing as well. So there was a traditional use com- coming strongly throughout the world, but most strongly from East Europe and China. Uh, this was pre-emergent to Canada really getting involved, um, especially th- around the Toronto area, which I got to visit um, uh, when that was starting to emerge and becoming um, accepted by the political people there and the banks and whatnot. I I visited Canada um, after that expo. It was in the um, uh, around between 2005 and 2010. It was starting to emerge in Canada as a... um, crop that was eventually got approval about, um, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but um, certainly around around that period of time, it, it became, um, uh, uh, you know, part of the Canadian culture. So they were producing the seed stock for oils and the clothes for fiber and um, part of the um, stalk with paper and assortment of products so it was starting to come out in there so the united states was still flanked far behind um, well the rest of the world because it was coming out of germany and holland uh there was even um seed stock coming from uh chile and countries like that as well and and what happened to us didn't we produce didn't we grow hemp up until the 30s yeah. Exactly. Well, that was it. It became a very convoluted issue, but it was it was grown um, primarily in Kentucky a lot, and 
Uh, Wisconsin was one of the last states to um, have it, but then it became part of uh, an amalgam of uh, the regulatory, the federal regulatory process to basically squelch the industry. And so it got, um, uh, the, the hemp got mixed up with cannabis in the minds of the, the feds, the federal government. And, um, it became, uh, basically they did all they could to mal, malalign it. And it wasn't even, um, separation as to function of it because the industrial hemp was a different plant than the uh, the cannabis. Um, in fact, they, if they were crossbred, they would, you know, be reseeding each other, which could be another problem. So um, mm. they, they were uh, literally grown apart, and um, cannabis was he did you know the surprising i guess the surprising thing about cannabis was that it moved um into the forefront and industrial hemp languished in the backwaters of culture um over the last i don't know 15 years it seems to have just sort of been a, in a holding pattern so uh changes have been kind of like leapfrogging in different ways and that's basically my observation of it and how funny that not funny haha but you know funny in dark humor in a certain way that now that marijuana smoking thc marijuana became legalized before hemp because hemp is so benign i mean really exactly you know it's it, yeah, uh, it, was, it was very surprising that it, cannabis would have leapfrogged ahead, but, um, you know, with the public demand, and I think it was clinical conditions and glaucoma, and um, it became um, really a ways out, and a lot of um, a lot of practitioners were willing to uh, uh, include it into their protocol, and that had led to a whole... Uh, different way that um, that the plant ha- that the cannabis plant had moved forward, and interestingly enough, the CBDs just to as a little sidelight was derived from the industrial the industrial hemp, and that had been used clinically for inflammation and a whole variety of conditions. There's a lot of components in it and they're they're studied widely there's uh, O'Shaughnessy's magazine that um has a lot of information on um CBDs obviously there's a lot on THCs um uh there's a website i have called unifiedcommunity.info <clears throat> and part of unifiedcommunity.info uh, has a a section on um both, well, it has a section on all of it, actually. Uh, under um, hemp, there's uh, several links on industrial hemp and the associations that are around the world on uh, for hemp. And then there's a cannabis and a THC with, and there's also a CBD section. So I've amassed the information worldwide on 
all of the topics, but they're separated into categories so that people could research um, any of that information they wanted. I would I would suggest to people that if they go to Unified Info that they have a cup of tea or a beverage because once you're there, yeah, yeah. Paul has gathered a boatload of information, not just about hemp and cannabis, but I mean other subjects. It's an amazing, uh, you know, project that you put together with Unified Info, Unified Community. Yeah, uh, Unified, it's just an amazing yeah. resource. Right, right. Unifiedcommunity.info is, is is basically a collection of um, what you call new paradigm thinking, but it's actually solutions. And it has about it has over a hundred categories, but it has two thousand links plus uh, of that. And it's got two scroll bars. One is for the categories, and then one takes you to all the subsites, so you can literally go to a category and then a subsite of it and then um, research it. And I kept it to being um, no sign-in, uh, no commerce, and um, no advertising. So all my sites are geared that way. I don't, I don't want to crap them up with um, any commercialization. I want them just for people to use and um, – just use them, and you know they're there for public reference, and that's kind of the way I wanted to do them. Yeah, it's a great it's a great site. Um, I want to we're gonna not exactly jump, but I want us to move us into a category, okay? Because there's so many possibilities. Uh, but I want to talk about some of the uh, solutions, the non medicinal side of hemp, which is the part that people I don't think are as aware of, and I want to launch you into this conversation, but I want to talk about one of my personal favorites. And I've mm-hmm. wanted this ever since I interviewed uh, Andrea Herman from the Canadian Hemp something. I forget what her actual title is, but Hemp uh, Mistress yeah. of Canada mm-hmm. is the, is the uh, hemp sheetrock. And I love that idea because I do know some people who have actually used it in sound studios because it's sound deadening. Plus it's uh-huh. antifungal and having worked a lot in remediation the idea of having a sheetrock that is actually resistant to fungus is like dramatically powerful. Uh, so talk to us about some really, you know, the, the um, world well, of solutions that hemp provides. Yeah, let's just start with uh, building. And, of course, with the building with hemp, there's, um, there's a great website called hempmaterials.com. There was a book by John Rulak called Building a House with Hemp Materials. Uh, in our video, Hemp Hemp Parade, the Growing Industrial Hemp Market, we have a section on building and a section on everything, basically all the categories. But there was, um, with the old um, Mary Kane's Hemp World uh, from 98, there was a whole big section on the practical guide to building with hemp. Uh, there was a lot of information coming out about, and from France, about um using the the hemp fiber as a reinforcement material. So it was like both insulation and as a structural material. Um, The um, hempbuilding.com, there was one with um, building with hemp with Steve Allen, A-L-L-I-N from Ireland. It had design product courses, books, and videos. And there was other stuff with hemp and bamboo for bicycles there was there was a lot of different 
stuff with um, hemp around the world, but uh, a lot of it started in uh, France, and um, that you know where it really um, got quite a bit of notoriety. And now it's um, uh, there. There's a lot. There's a lot going on now with building um, a lot of it in the Carolinas and other states, um, and uh, it's actually kind of becoming a little infused with hybrid adobe because you can use uh, any fibers uh, for making a lightweight crete type of crete, so that um, it could be used with straw bale. It could be used. Um, that's the interesting thing is is what's happening is the merging of the um, what you call waste or pulp fibers with um, primary and 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 becoming um, uh, sort of usable fibers in in a lot of ways or or even um, straw, straw bale and um, hay you know which is straw bale and uh, Basically, um, you know, could be used as as part of it or or as a standalone. So um, that's what's going on. Also, it's been used to make boards, uh, particle board, as well as um, that was pioneered up in a lot of uh, um, some of the uh, old expos that went up in Oregon and Washington State. Um, there was um, produced. Um, beams and particle boards and a lot of components for construction just to show how it could be done and basically a lot of these waste fibers could be made into uh, uh, particle chipboard or virtually plywood um, and uh, it could be enlarged as part of the larger framework of um, um, environmental building materials which are basically um quote waste fibers and um you know the interesting thing is that plays out analogous to taking um waste sugar fibers which are alcohol and the project uh that dave bloom is doing uh the bloom distillation project for example which is integrating uh, energy crops and um, producing alcohol from uh, anything from sugar cane to sorghum to waste blueberries, waste strawberry, waste apple pulp, um, anything in quarters from um, making tortilla factories or donuts, any of that that creates sugars can be broken down for alcohol, which is then uh, being made into 200 proof, which could then be um, utilized for, you know, lots of, uh, you know, industries. So we're seeing a lot of um, uh, use not only of the, of the hemp, but with other f fibers and other um, unused or un underutilized resources now to becoming part of that. And um, as you know, greenhouses are in need of CO2 because the plants require them to make oxygen so that um, now at that the bloom distillation place, they're actually going to be producing a fermented grade of um, uh, 
let's see, like a carbon dioxide that can be um, utilized in greenhouses for the possibility of um, giving the plants those what it needs to create the oxygen. So lots of interesting things are happening with um, uh, basically the, the waste and the pulp fibers and uh, hemp and other environmental fibers. Right. And with the, let's say you make hempcrete, uh, which is concrete with hemp in it for people who aren't, yep. who aren't familiar with the term crete, you increase right. the overall strength of that. Or even like you said, if you make an adobe or if you make a brick with hemp in it, you increase mm-hmm. the overall, I don't know, I'll try, I'll, I'll use this word like I know what it means, tensile strength. In other words, you actually increase the durability of that concrete. For, I'm coming from somebody who lives, well, you do too, in earthquake country in California. So the idea of right. having something that's more resistant to crumbling is sounds very appealing to me. So that's true. Yeah, this, adding hemp to any of these products makes it stronger. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, there's there's two factors now. Um, one is the reinforcement with bamboo. You see, is another uh, aspect because bamboo has a a strength in a, in alignment of is it's kind of like reinforcing a material in the way that um, rebar would reinforce cement. Um, bamboo could be reinforcing for um, hemp in that it's acting like a, quote, steel in some sense. The other thing about it, which is interesting, is that the way of the mass of it and the way that it's insulated, it can be, you can actually directly apply a stucco coat to the outside of the building and then the interior wall that's then reinforced, then you've created your in- insulation, your exterior mm-hmm. wall, which could be stuccoed, and your interior wall of which you could run your wiring or or right. your solar panels or whatever through that. And so you have your interior and exterior wall, your insulation and your whole wall cavity, and you can reinforce it as well. And you also have the benefit of it being an antifungal, isn't that correct? Yeah, it has antifungal properties for sure. So the the stucco coat, would, whatever you use, I mean, and, and again, that's interesting too because you're having, um, there's been a lot of development of um, uh, milk paints and all sorts of uh, finishes to, um, to fibers so that... Um, Outside of the standard ones you'll find in the building trades, uh, there's a lot. There's been a lot of um, interesting uh, developments. Uh, when we did the um, expo in 1998 at the Civic, uh, there's a lady named Teresa Barubi who had um, put on the stage a hemp house, and this was in 1998, mind you. Wow. In 1998, we had she had brought together beams and particle board and all the different components that were used in industry to the expo to show uh, that they were also being made in in hemp at that time. Now that's 20 years ago. So um, the technology existed even then. It's just that it hasn't um, surprisingly hasn't hit widespread use as of yet. Um, when you think of particle board or or plywood or that, 
uh, it's basically a, a very similar process to making um, like large sheets of paper in a way. You're, you're taking a slurry, uh, it's drying out and it's compressed. And it's, um, the hemp also contains a sort of a glue within its own fibers that actually um, uh, adheres or, or structures the uh, material so that it actually um, holds itself together. Hmm. I, it's just, and, and I know that uh, when I was doing some research uh, that, a, that BMW had been using hemp fiber in its door paneling, and but one of the issues that they have is they couldn't get enough or a consistent supply. So maybe, and I and I think as I recall, even Mercedes was using hemp fiber in some of its paneling as well because it's so strong and sound ending. So they were getting a double win on that. But again, you know, supply was an issue. Mm-hmm. So now that we're actually going to be able to grow it in the United States without armed guards, uh, maybe that'll improve, and other car auto manufacturers will start using it for you know paneling. Because it's strong and silencing, so it's a yeah. It's a I mean, the thing about the United States that's so interesting is that um, once once things get out into the culture and people are able to use their resources and their resiliency and their knowledge, um, it's going to open up so many avenues uh, in terms of. Um, uh, pr- you know, production and, uh, you know, to elaborate on all of that. Uh, so we will just getting back to cars. I mean, uh, they were using that in the form so that all the door paneling and all of those, uh, dashboards, um, yeah, they had worked out prototypes and I've seen them, um, Skateboards were another one. You know, they were uh, the hemp fiber was great for skateboards because it was real hard. We show it in the video that a scene with that, but uh, surfboards, um, boats, um, on and on. I mean, it was just um, the hemp hemp array, uh, the growing industrial hemp market, really is a very fast montage of a one-hour documentary documenting all of this stuff we're talking about. I think you'll find it interesting. It's uh, and, put out by UFO Video, actually. Okay. And is that where – is there some place we can see it online? Is it available online? Yeah, it's, 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 it's on two places. I have it uh, under the unifiedcommunity.info under videos. And the okay. other one is the UFO Video has it on, as a YouTube. Um, okay. And then it – might be on there, so it's a it's about a fifty eight minute um, uh, video, and um, it it uh, it actually even got an award in uh, about two thousand and two or two thousand three. It was a local reward of about twenty entries for um, environmental uh, um, under the environmental category of the. Uh, we had a little festival in Santa Cruz and. Yeah, it was really uh, it's really it's, really, it's amazingly informative. I I've known about it for I've, well I've known you for a long time and I mean I actually have a VHS tape. <laughs> I'm dating no. myself. Uh, yeah, exactly. I can't play it anymore, but I just have it. Um, but I'll you know it's a great you know hour packed uh, whirlwind of you know here's the possibilities of what hemp can happen. So it's very exciting to know that you know this could be happening again any day now. 
Now, right after we come back, we're going to have a short commercial, and then right after we come back, I think we're going to talk about seeds. The other, another, at you know, quality of hemp is its seeds and its oils. We'll be right back. All right. Have you had enough? Our civil and health rights are being ignored at every turn. More than ever, alternative health care services are needed. Please accept our invitation to be a part of the renovation of healthcare in America. Guardian Party members receive free software, free online classes, free monthly newsletter, free forum access. For more about Health for the People by the People, visit us at www.guardiansofthepeople.com. The Guardians is great. Check it out. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's a great two-hour Sunday meetup talking about all sorts of software, and it's it's really cool. Um, okay, so now let's talk about seeds. Seeds. And, 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 and we don't even have to get to the CBD part yet. Let's talk about the seeds and the food that that is and that the oil that that produces that is could be a culinary oil. I mean, it has a lot of other purposes. It's true. It all begins with the seed. And the seed is, um, well, yeah, I mean, you can go into a lot of directions on the seed, but the, for example, the whole hemp seed is tremendously nutritious. It has 36% um, fatty acids, and it has 30% protein. Uh, the shell is not really a great uh, bonus to the seed in terms of, yeah, there's fiber or something, but it's not really digestible or anything. So the when you crack the seed shell of the hemp seed, you, you get an amazing powerhouse of nutrition. Um, I've been enjoying that food for 20-some years now, and... It's a great addition to my diet. I, I use it almost daily. Um, it has the omega-3, 6, and 9. It has the stearic, palmetic, and the, um, well, the linoleic, the linoleic, and, you know, all the uh, monounsaturates, and the GLA. It has about 1.75 to 2% GLA. So mm-hmm. it's got a very wide spectrum of, uh, of oil. And now can the, we and uh, and is that so? Does that mean if you since you're taking the seed off, does that yeah. mean it's then lectin free? I mean the the husk off. Sorry, the husk off. I ask that only coming from having interviewed Stephen Gundry, who's sort of anti lectin at this time. So mm-hmm. are we when we remove the husk, we just have the soft, creamy nut. Is that what what that would be? Right. Yeah, it's actually like a droop. But it's called a nut, but it's or, or seed. But it, um, yeah, it's it's just a rich nutrient. Um, I, I'm not sure if there's any lectin residue there. It would be pretty minuscule if there were, but um, I'm not sure exactly of that. But I don't okay. think there would be any to really speak of. Almost a, yeah. maybe a homeopathic amount, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the seed can go in a lot of other direction. The oil is the seed oil. So hemp, I have a blend called Hempkin, which is hemp and pumpkin, because pumpkin picks up more of the omega three ranges, um, whereas hemp has got a lot of variety. Um, it's 
uh, it's got 19% omega-3s, and it's got 57% omega-6, and it's got 9% omega-9. And then it's got about 2% GLA, and, the alpha, you know, 6% of, the, um, of it is uh, the um, palmetic, you know, like what you find in coconut, you know, you get some of that mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. You're getting a lot of uh, variety. So it's been used in all the skin care and cosmetics and been used for um, soaps and shampoos and conditioners and a lot of that, uh, facial scrubs, all sorts of um, cosmetic pro- products have uh, been used from that. Um, I've written a, a series of articles on the topic uh, over the years. Um, they're archived on my website, which is herbprod.com, uh, um, com. There's an archived area for that. Um, there's a lot of stuff on hemp seed oil from worldwide, from uh, Finland and New Zealand and uh, all over, too. I've amassed uh, information from a lot of places. In fact, old archive magazines, um, I have a lot of that in there, too. So you can kind of read the history uh, of it. Um, so, yeah, just with seed, there's just so much about it. But um, <laughs> it's, it's almost an overwhelming topic. But, you know, consumables and things you're using all the time um, – when you get to the industrial part, like um, like grades that are not food grades, uh, you have all the industrial lubricants and, um, you know, all the stuff you use for your locks and your um, uh, paints and varnishes, um, all kinds of stuff, um, you know, in, in, in that way. Um, so there's lots of directions the oils go into, both for the food oils and the industrial oils. Um, garden tools. I have a, a kind of a, a write-up um, on um, the uh, – I, I, I have one on um, uh, the – well, I put it with orange oil, but then I had one on on the the way you use that together with the um, industrial oil. It's called second pressed hemp oil, and it was um, mm-hmm. a two page write up on how to use it uh, for virtually everything from glues to sealants to uh, finishes to colorants to you know on and on and on. But there's there's so much to it. So you'll see an article called Second Pressed Hemp Oil that I wrote about um, ways of using They used it in a lot of the uh, testing of the Native American places. I donated it to the Diné people uh, in Arizona for um, – it was for their cultural center in Pinion, Arizona, and Wheatfield, Arizona. Um, they've used it for massage oils um, – lip balms, shower gels, even baby creams, massage oils. Um, and it, it, it has drying properties. The hemp oil is, is a little like linseed oil because when it, mm. palmer, 
when it polymerizes the oil, when it actually polymerizes it, it's a, um, it dries out faster. So if you're actually using it as shellac or paint or varnish, it it um, it dries better. So that's actually an advantage. Uh, it's been used in bicycle chains as a uh, with orange oil a little bit as a lube, uh, chainsaw machinery lubricants, solvents, um, putties, inks, uh, biodiesel, uh, biodiesel fuels, of course, and even in candles. So. You know, lots of things. Um, Popular Mechanics had talked about it having over uh, 50,000 uses. That was in the 30s. So, <laughs> it just a, every time we talk, anytime we talk about hemp, it always blows my mind. I always, every time we've talked about it or I hear you speak of hemp, it always blows my mind at how many possibilities there are with hemp and how it the part that really blows my mind is that we have the United States has stopped taking advantage of this for a long time. I can't even right. think that far back. You know, it just it blows my mind that it has so many great benefits. And it's a let's talk about it as a crop. Is it hard to grow? Is it tricky? Does it require a lot of water? Um, is it fussy? Is it how is it? Well, you know. It's interesting, even if you go to the unified community and you look and you search for the, you know, under the industrial hemp and you look at the categories, what you'll find is under, um, I wrote a piece called What the Farmer Can Learn, and it was an industrial hemp index. And under preparation, it, it goes into botany, research history, and feasibility. It goes into pilot programs, seed stock, cultivars, selection, sowing, varietal characteristics, and seed trials, breeding, plants, genetics, pathology, climate requirements, logistics, topography, uh, crop physiology, plant density, fertility, crop rotation, all of that, the the impact on soils, nutrient aggregation, um, spacing requirements, all of that. That's just preparation. So all of those categories are addressed on the website, and, you know, you can find out all of that. Like a, for a farmer, you can learn all of that to, to know about um, growing requirements. Um, I wrote about the yield. Uh, there's processing, there's harvest and chipping machinery. There's the selecting sh- 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 the, the corticating machine. There is the equipment for developing, modifying, doing prototype design, weed strategy, resistance to pests and diseases, um, competitive management, uh, impact on in the environment, non-polluting systems, seeded acreage and storage issue and production cells. So that was just about yield, that part. So it just goes on and on. There's so much. Uh, these are just, even for farmers, um, they can find out a lot of this stuff that would help them tweak their uh, knowledge base and information just to see, you know, the requirements for their growing condition and their seed stocks and, and yeah. what they can get. Yeah, I'm going to look for that paper right after we hang up. Um, I want to. I'm going to move this a slightly different direction, although it fits into this all the whole conversation. 
is mm-hmm. earlier you this is now regarding uh THC cannabis mm-hmm. is earlier you used the phrase seeding each other. What does that mean? Mm. And what okay, the, I know so, there's a concern there and but what does that mean cuz I I understand what it means but let's talk about what seeding each other means and what that could do. Well, that's the problem. Uh that's the rub that kind of is sort of you know how we're so great in the United States at avoiding issues. And really one of the, you know, it is an issue because the um, the plant has been grown um, industrial. In fact, it's been growing as what was called ditch wheat throughout all from, you know, the Wisconsin to Kentucky and every state in between and all of that. There was virtually a lot of it back east and through the Appalachian Mountains as well. Um, It's been grown there, and it's growing today. It's just growing wild, and um, it has its own characteristic, and this is how it's been growing. It's found in waste streams and fields and kind of out in the countryside. People run across it all the time. the 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 uh you know if you're if you're growing cannabis um and you get cross pollination of seeding uh you know that could be um you know kind of a difficult situation so i think most of the cannabis growing has been moving indoors or being in uh-huh. contained um situations now um you know, there there's all sorts of different feelings about it, whether, you know, the industrial could be grown in certain areas and, you know, as, as things are changing with the laws and regulations and all of this kind of stuff, whether the cannabis would be grown in certain other areas and, you know, that's a kind of a messy topic and that's a whole thing in itself, but yeah, there can be a lot of cross-pollination of the two and um, not really to the benefit of either, I don't think. I mean, it's yeah. not, you know, um, that's just going to be something that will be uh, dealt with and handled as time goes on. And, right. you know, we'll hope for the yeah, – <laughs> this concept of American ingenuity to see what happens. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's actually an unknown at this point. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. And so in our last about a little over 10 minutes, let's talk about CBD derived from hemp mm-hmm. versus the, the other side of CBD derived from something like Charlotte's web, which I believe is a cannabis more of a marijuana type cannabis, uh, but right. it's CBD dominant. So there are two. So there are two different areas, kind of, of CBD. A lot of yeah. I know that there are manufacturers who've been selling hemp CBD because it has mm-hmm. such a low level, a trace amount of THC in it that it's legal, and it has right. been for a while. And it has. I mean, CBD from hemp does have health benefits, doesn't it? Uh, yes. In fact, you see. When I went to the um, Emerald Cup, which is a, you know incredibly wonderful event, um, showcasing primarily cannabis, and there is some CBD there, 
Um, you know, we do have a very reductionist culture in the United States, and it's, you know, even in clinical studies, you know, there's always one element, there's one uh, byproduct they're looking for, there's one of something. But really, in nature, that's not the way it works. Um, the CBD and cannabis together, even at however whatever that ratio is, is the way the plant grows in nature. And so they're finding, like the Charlotte Web and, and other strains, that some THC and maybe a large amount of the CBD um, clinically, as as you can hear from the panels and all of those people who are doing the, the studies um, and the researchers, uh, they're getting the best results clinically with the, you know, the actual plant material. Now, again, we have, when we have regulatory agencies and planning departments and Bureau of Alcohol and Tobacco and Firearms regulating industries, um, like the Bureau of Tobacco and Firearms regulates it in Washington State, and the planning department basically regulates cannabis, um, maybe CBDs. I don't know what will happen, but that's, uh, that's how it works in California. Colorado's handled differently. Oregon's an unknown. We'll see. Um, things are in a lot of flux right now, but but I think the respect for plants as what they are is always going to be one of the most important aspects of civilization, and that, that's just a, just the way it is. I mean, uh, you know, I'm working on a site called um, UnifiedCommunity.info, and that site is about cataloging plants around the world and having the pictures of them so people can see what they look like. Again, it's a free site. There's no sign-in, no advertising, no commerce. And it's basically to see what plants look like, what the English and Latin is, where they're found, what are their uses, and really um, uh, just a working knowledge of what what you know what the plants are you know what what's easy you know it could eventually be an app or whatever it is it could be anything but it's important to know that the plants contain those codes through the centuries and centuries that they've evolved to that's the way they've grown and when we try to re-engineer that and extract certain components from them you know that's obviously reductionist thinking but you know, it has its benefits and it has its purposes, but, you know, we have to really look at ba basically the traditional knowledge as well as the clinical knowledge. And they, they, there's a lot of um, uh, nuanced areas of that that need to be really looked at. Yeah. And when you, when you said, when you were talking about, I think you were talking about your site exploring botanicals. You said mm -hmm. unified. You said unified community, and I knew that you were referring actually to your oh, site. Oh, I'm sorry. Exploring yeah, you, botanicals. Yeah, exploring botanicals. I'm trying to eventually have that as a wiki, and I wanted to open that up to a wiki botanica, which I mm -hmm. have now. Uh, eventually, great. and I'm 
I'm doing all the pictures, and now I'm trying to put in the, quote, text part of it, and it's a little slow going, and uh, I call it a work in progress. (laughs) This is a big project. I I think this is a cool, being an old school herbalist myself, I think this is a cool project, but wow, this is a lot. You know, if you if, crazy. for anybody well, who's listening who's really interested in plants and botanicals, help me out. <laughs> yeah, help it, help a guy out, would you? This guy needs some help. This is a monstrous project, but it's very exciting for what it could be. I mean, it's an amazing resource, and especially because you've traveled so much internationally, you have like an amazing array of photographs of plants from all over the world. Uh, yeah, so you know, it, and it's, it's a very exciting thing. Exactly. And, you know, Richard, what's interesting is that you see, you'll really see a lot of the same families all over the world of plants. And you'll, you'll even see, you know, there'll be certain varieties that are a little bit different, but you'll, you'll go to a place and you'll say, gosh, huh, it's almost like your home. It's, there's so many that are, that you'll recognize. And yet, um, you know, you, there's there's other ones that you know are obviously new to you, but it's it's just interesting how uh, you know where plants have ended up and you know how how all, all this has worked and all these different regions, you know. Yeah. Now I want to go back to CBD from hemp for a moment. Uh, okay. You hear a lot of people these days who have tapped into the hemp marketplace using mm-hmm. it as. I guess we can call it a medicinal, but using it as mm-hmm. an herb. And yep. and so it's hemp-derived. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do another show sometime on Charlotte Webb's and Blue Dream and the other side of the family, but let's talk about hemp-derived. Do you think of CBD from hemp as being – I've heard people say that they think it's kind of similar to L-theanine, not so much in its actual action, but mm-hmm. in its sense of calming, soothing – uh, anxiety reducing, kind of that, almost a nerving. You and I would call it a nerving, but I'm not sure that's nerving. quite right. Interesting. So you're comparing it to theanine. Theanine is derived from green tea. Right. And um, that has some very good properties. Uh, the nervines you think of more as uh, maybe, well, passion flowers, a little of that, or the valerian or the skullcap, or there's right. a lot of um, of that. Um, it's, it's beyond that though, like CBD is an interesting go-to material and there's a lot of different CB, CB, um, derivatives that go off from there. CBGA, there's, there's lots of, uh, others as well. Um, and they have specific propensity. Some have propensity for sleep. Uh, there's just different things. Some are um, particularly effective for inflammation, uh-huh. swelling, uh, reducing, you know, reducing all the all of those markers. Um, some have been used clinically for actual conditions. And again, I, I, I urge you to see if whoever can make it. The um, the Emerald Cup has some amazing speakers. Uh, who go into uh, these kind of topics. I think you've had that experience of seeing some of them, haven't you, Richard? Oh, I've seen some great speakers at the Emerald Cup. You know, and oddly, interestingly enough, 
One of my favorite was a veterinarian out of Santa Rosa who's mm-hmm. done some incredible work working with animals using CBD and THC in terms of mm-hmm. anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, uh, you know, benefiting the animals, you know, just an, a whole realm. He's incredibly knowledgeable. I'm going to have him on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, other doctors, there's a doctor in the East Bay who's done a lot of work with, she's actually working mostly with kids doing amazing work with CBDs and, again, some DHC, but mostly CBDs and having, you know, yeah, the the research now, it is interesting what you just said. You know, for a long time we just talked about THC or CBD, and now everybody's going deeper into it and finding other derivations, other aspects of the CBD. I'll just talk about CBD. Like you just said, G and other variations. And right. it's really exciting to see that people are getting specific, but I, my concern or um, something yep. is that I, I don't want people to get away from the idea of it's a plant. Exactly. I think there are going to be there are things in there. The, the, the uh, <laughs> I can't help it, but say the hip kids are using the term entourage effect, which exactly. to me is just it's all it's it's whole plant medicine. It's the idea that we can't just extract out and go. Here's an isolate. Here's the one you want. I don't. That's that's very to right. me very much that's, the pharmaceutical world, which I do not want. I want to have an entourage or the whole plant medicine, because I think there are things in there that we don't even know about yet. And I think there's benefit to the idea of a whole food. Right. Exactly. The, the entourage effect means that all the components are creating um, and filling in all these voids that we're lacking in our body. They're, they're, they're helping. And, so they make up a, a wider spectrum for like that inflammatory cascade as it would be to um, help you in different regards of, for the inflammation in different ways. Um, yeah, yeah and, and the thing is, is that they were saying that, again, people have different sensitivity to different aspects of cannabis and the CBD, but the the whole plant materials that were used that had like um, a few parts of um, THC to the CBD, you know, in the clinical sense, were were showing a lot more promise than than um, just isolating different uh, extracts because they were um, they could even be tailored. Those strains could be tailored to certain effects you were trying to get um, clinically, and that was important. That, that, was, uh, that was a por- part that I thought was the big take-home, was just how, how well they were, um, how well all of those strains were correlated to conditions. And, yes. Um, yeah, it was you know, the, the practitioners that came to that and the O'Shaughnessy's Magazine and the, you know, the Martin Lee and the, um, all the, the the stuff uh, that, that crosses between that, um, uh, you know, it, it's it's really it's quite incredible, and um, you you come away with a, a a whole different knowledge base of the way uh, you know the way medicine as a human science should, should you know should be practiced, you know how. Uh, how this how this plant 
in all of its aspects, you know, what it can really do when it's um, not encumbered by, um, you know, our changing it. Right, you know, or how, trying to alter it into something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that being said, there's still, you know, a lot of ingenuity of how people are growing it and, and the the breeding and, the you know, and all of that. And, um, you know, there there is a lot happening in that regard, too. You know, there's always a lot of dichotomy here of how that happens to, um, present, you know, present new and uh, new information on certain condition, let's say multiple sclerosis or whatever you you know conditions come up, how those um, through breeding and through uh, through those different strains and how they can be um, created to be you know more and more effective for actual clinical conditions. I think that's right. really interesting. That's very, very exciting. Uh, I am stunned to find that we're done. <laughs> it's what? shocking. <laughs> well, but, but, but we blazed through an hour. I knew it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't take wow. much. It was, you know, just you know, like the that. industrial side. I'm very excited for everybody to hear the industrial side because there are so many applications that can have such a positive benefit on so many mm-hmm. levels. Uh, and perhaps uh, I'll have you back uh, sooner and we can talk about microdosing, but not now. Um, so, so where do you want people to find out more information about you and who you are um, and what you're well, doing? You know, the website, the herbprod.com is a good place to go, H-E-R-B-P-R-O-D.com, and that stands for Herbal Products, of course. Um, that has all my writing. It has a lot of archives. It has recipes. It has some clinical reviews. It has... Um, a lot of information and um, very, uh, like everything is written about in it and, and uh, every every component that I'm using in my formulation uh, has a write-up so you can learn about um, everything that I'm using. And then there's an archive section and articles and that has more information. Um, of course, the unifiedcommunity.info really is a treasure trove of information, and I'm not tracking it or anything. You just use it. I mean, it's just um, it's just pretty much uh, free to use, and you'll find yeah, it. Yeah, it's an amazing resource. I mean, it's amazing. I would I'm looking also, at the CBD now. It's huge. <laughs> exactly. And I would also suggest for people for a, a gateway to Paul's uh, world, that could be the name of that site instead of Paul's Community, Paul's World. Paul'sCommunity.us yeah. is a great gateway to all three because there you have links to yeah. herbal products and development, the unified community, and exploring botanicals. Uh, and it's you know, it's a lot of information. As I said, any one of these links, have a beverage. You're going to be there for a while, I promise. It's yeah. a triple trove of great information. So thank yeah. you so much, Paul. That was stupendous. Yeah, I really appreciate your interview. You did great. And um, thank it, you. it was nice to be here again. Yep. All right. We'll have you back again soon. Might be talking about All right. everybody. Have Alrighty a great now. week. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.